You're listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry at First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarvale, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas, 67024. If you've got a Bible, go to Psalms 116. Psalm one. 16. A couple weeks ago, we talked about what a saving faith looked like. What a saving faith looked like. And today I want to continue in that vein of thinking, and I want to talk about uh, and continue the idea of what a saving faith looks like. And last time we looked at this, we said a saving faith was a confessing faith, a faith that that confessed Christ as Savior and Lord, and we confessed our sins and repented of our sins and confessed Christ as not just the sovereign Savior, but the mighty sovereign King and the boss of our lives. And because of that idea, what I want to do in this this idea of the second idea of, of a real saving faith is not only one that is a confessing faith, but a faith that sees God as good and has a love for God that pours out of our hearts and a, and a love for Him that is just unbridled and unmatched. And I, I often think about, in my own personal life, I think about um, moments in my life when I... Um, Think about what I deserve as a human being. What I think about when uh, and when when I say what I deserve outside of Christ, what I, what do I deserve? Ephesians chapter two verse one tells us that we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. And Romans chapter six verse twenty three says the wages of those sins are death. And, and and sometimes what we can one of the most dangerous things that we can do as Christians is we can become familiar with certain passages of scripture, certain sayings in the text, and we can, we can become so um, familiar with them that they, they lose their jaw-dropping um, effect on us as human beings. And because we were dead men and we pursued things that a dead man or a dead woman would pursue, um, we followed the works of our flesh. We followed the works of disobedience. And, and what we deserve because of that is, is God's wrath on us. And because I, I followed my flesh and I wanted to follow my flesh, um, what I deserve is, is not what I'm getting. And I'm owed justice because of that fact. I'm owed, as Romans chapter 6 tells me, I'm owed justice and death. But in the midst of all of this, God saw fit to expose my heart to the reality of my sin. And God saw fit to show me the depths of my depravity. And then as a result, I love that, that this song that we sang this morning, it points to the mighty cross. The, the, the depths of, 
of my depravity, Christ doesn't come in and say, yeah, you're a scoundrel and I'm going to leave you there. He says, no, yes, you're a scoundrel, but here's the thing. I'm going to point you to the mighty cross and the mighty work of God on the cross for forgiveness. He saw fit to show me the depths of this. And then he moved me out of a position of despondency and hopelessness and then moved me into a place full of mercy and hope. And many times as I have thought of what I deserve, what also comes to mind is the goodness of God towards me. Back to Ephesians 2, it says, starting in verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Like that, once again, sometimes I think that we get too familiar with certain passages, passages of scripture and that's one of the ones I think we're just, yeah, okay, cool, but God. But God, but God being rich in mercy, did this for me. So absolutely I deserve the wrath of God, but because Jesus Christ loved me, and because of his work on the cross on behalf of me, rather than receiving the wrath of God, I received the mercy of God because the wrath of God was absolutely and completely satisfied on the cross of Christ. Like that, that should get us to at least an amen. Like fully paid in full. Fully paid in full. Romans chapter 5 gives us an understanding of this verse as well, or in, of this idea in verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abound all the more. Now listen, I didn't tell Margie, because Margie, she, I let her have freedom to pick out the songs. I didn't tell her, hey, listen, here's what I'm preaching on, pick something out. Listen, that we sang about grace, grace, God's grace. Woo! Grace abounds, what does that say? Where sin increased, grace abound all the more. So that as sin reigneth in death, Grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because of one man, we lost the farm. Adam, our great, 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 I don't know, a bunch of greats. Grandfather. We lost the farm. He forfeited the title deed to earth. Adam forfeited that over when he disobeyed God's command. God said, every tree in the garden you can have. Eat it, have a good time. The one here, don't eat it. One rule, don't eat it. And what did he do? Just like kids today, don't eat the cookie before dinner. What's the kid going to do? Eat the cookie, right? So because of one man, we lost the farm. But because of another man, Christ Jesus, the man, fully God, fully man, God became man, and he bought the farm back. With his precious, sovereign, holy, spotless blood, he bought the farm back and he's invited us in 
to be not only a partaker in this, but family. He's like, listen, I, I want to adopt you in. Like, that should get us really excited. So with this idea of God's goodness in front of us this morning, I, I want us to look at Psalms 116. Uh, I've been reading through Psalms and, and going through a couple different Psalms, and 116 just is so good. I just It's so good and so encouraging. It's such a, a delight to read. I, I want us this morning to just go through these verses together and see this for what they are and, and just thank God for His goodness. Verse 1. I love the Lord because He has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy because He has inclined His ear to me Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. Wow, I just, just, that's just two. That's just two verses. I love the Lord. You want to know why we love the Lord? Well, initially, I'll, I'll tell you. Because here's the deal. 1 John 4.19 says that we love God because God first loved us. Listen, I need you to understand something. God came after you. You didn't come after God. You, didn't, you weren't looking for Him. You, you read the Bible. He sought us first. And because of that fact, we now have the capacity to love Him back. Because Christ first loved us, we can now love Him. So therefore, I love the Lord because He heard my voice. God sought me and because of this I could cry out in mercy and I love the Lord because he heard my voice and my pleas for mercy I pleaded for mercy and God granted me mercy oh amen anybody else in the room I know we're Baptists but man we can shout amen on that occasionally man I'm telling you we've been given something that some people aren't gonna get like we've been given access to God's mercy for all eternity. Wow. When I cried out in a repentant stance, I cried for mercy. And because of that, God loved me enough and He gave me mercy. He didn't give me what I deserved. What I deserved is when I cried out for mercy, God to say, no, no, you don't deserve it. You know what God did instead when I cried out for mercy? We know what God will do with you if, when you cry out for mercy in a repentant stance. God will give you mercy. Like that's, that's amazing. That's, that's amazing. I got mercy and not because I deserve it. But because he loved me enough to grant that mercy to me. Listen, the conviction of my sin is a gift in and of itself to be convicted over my sins. Do you know how many people in Cedarville, Kansas and in the the state of Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, the nation? Do you know how many people run in their sin and roll around in the pits of wickedness and they're not even remotely bothered by their sin? If you're bothered by your sin, that is a gigantic sign that God is extending you the gift of conviction so that you can repent. John Piper once said, The sign of whether you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit is not that you have no bad desires, but that you are at war with those desires. Does your sinfulness bother you? 
bother you enough to get on your knees before a holy God and plead for mercy? If so, that is a very, very good sign. That is a sign that you love the Lord and that the Lord loves you. I love the Lord because when I cried out in repentance, He gave me mercy. When I cried for mercy, He gave me mercy. That's good. Not because I'm saying it, but because it's in God's Word. And it's meant for you this morning. Like, that's good. The Word... For someone today, that, and listen, that, that is a word for someone today. People say, oh God, can't, Pastor, I, I need a word. Well, there's your word. There's your word, amen? That God gave you mercy when you didn't deserve it. And he loves you, so as a result of that, you can love him back. That's good. That's good. You, you might be in the midst of sin, but the moment you trust Christ and repent of your sins, he will grant you mercy. And because of that, because of that, because he's forgiven me of my sins, because he covers my iniquities, I will call on him all the live long day. I'll call on him as long as I live. He deserves, listen, the Lord Jesus Christ deserves your worship this morning. In the good times and in the bad times, Christ will be on my lips. Amen? Why will I worship Jesus? Why will I call on his name? Why will I call on the name of the Lord all the days of my life? Because he saved me and because he's worthy. Because he saved me and because he's worthy. Let's keep going, verse 3 and 4. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave covered over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. This imagery is so crystal clear here that the wages, remember we talked about wages of sin in Romans chapter 6, the wages of my sin were so, so gnarly and so entangled in such a way that I was at the point of death. It was as if the anguish of my fallen state was so intense, it was like I was being buried alive. How many, anybody in, like, pre-Christ feel that? You felt that, that buried feeling of, golly, I just can't handle this. Something's got to give. Something's got to break. Something, I need something. I need someone. I was entangled. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave, it covered me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Oh, then all of a sudden I had a moment of realization of what was happening and I called upon the name of the Lord. Verse 4, look at verse 4. Then I called, remember, he's in the midst of all these despondencies and all this hopelessness. Then I cried on, I, I, I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me! Lord, save me. Then we see in the text what happens when we do this. Verse 5. The Lord is gracious and righteous. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. Our God is full of compassion. Oh, isn't that good? Grace, gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. He's full of compassion. Jesus, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus over and over again has compassion for his children. 
And that compassion, it, listen to me, I'm telling you, for his children, that compassion is inexhaustible. Sometimes that can, now listen, sometimes that compassion can look like God kicking us in the tail. Anybody? Anybody had the Lord kick you in the tail a couple times and get you where you need to go? Remember, remember, we, the imagery is what, is, what are we called in the scriptures? Sheep. All of us like sheep have gone astray. But Christ leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And sometimes that one keeps going off. And sometimes God has to wound that one to keep him where he needs to be. You know, a shepherd, this is his, you can do a, histor, a historical search on this. Back in the day, these young sheep, typically they were males. Imagine that, Alan. Young, young men doing something they shouldn't do. Young, young sheep going off into the wilderness, going, trying to f- hike up the side of a mountain where they probably shouldn't be. They are not aware that they have predators that can rip them apart or they can fall just right and something can happen. The shepherd leaves the 99 that are in the pen and goes after that one. That's the picture of you and I. Christ left those that, need, that didn't need him in that moment, went after the one that needed him. And the way, if you keep wandering off, the shepherd takes his staff puts the leg of the sheep underneath his knee and just does a quick and breaks the leg of the sheep where the sheep has a little bit of a hobble because he's got to stay close to the shepherd. When you stay close to the shepherd is when you're going to find safety. Amen? When you're close to the shepherd, that's where you're going to find safety. And sometimes the shepherd has to firmly herd his sheep to where he wants them to go. That's compassion. Compassion is getting you away from the danger. Compassion is doing the things that are necessary to keep you from the places of harm. That's compassion. Sometimes the shepherd will break the leg of the sheep to keep them from wandering off. Psalms 23 gives us its imagery. He makes me lie down. Just saying, that idea is he's making you do something. He does this to make sure we are not going to be going in a direction that we're not supposed to go, that we weren't meant to go. And many times, that sheep that wandered off, he or she is going to be um, just fine. They think that, but the enemy knows what they are, and the enemy says, I can pick them off. That wolf, that lion, can pick them off in such a way that is just horrendous. He can be wiped out in an instant. The shepherd is keeping his sheep from danger. That is compassion. But I need everyone to understand that. That God's compassion is for His children. Not for those that are outside of the family of God. Now, He might have patience with those that are outside of His mercy. But don't make any mistake. Don't mistake patience for compassion. Don't mistake patience for compassion. Because those who are unrepentant and have no concern over their sins are not storing up compassion for themselves, but rather they are storing for themselves, storing up for themselves wrath, according to Romans chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Repentance is meant to lead us, or the goodness of God is meant to lead us to repentance. But if we don't, we're storing up for ourselves wrath and not mercy let's keep going to verse 6 
The Lord preserves the simple hearted. I was helpless and he saved me. The Lord preserves the simple hearted. He preserves the simple. Simple hearted can also be interpreted as childlike in faith. Childlike in faith. Helpless like a child. This is who God has mercy on. Think of Matthew chapter 18 verses 2 through 4. And calling to him a child, he put him on, put him in the midst of them, verse 3, and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter into the kingdom of God. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom. Humble voices carry further in the kingdom of God. Now, we need to distinguish this. God did not say, he, he referred to, it said childlike faith, not childish faith. There's, a, there's two different things there. <laughs> How many of you guys have ever been accused of being childish? What? That happens, amen? Not, not childish, but childlike faith. Childlike faith is trusting in Jesus the way a young child trusts his parents to love and protect him. This is the idea in, that the psalmist writes here. And because of that, because of how you come to Christ in, in this childlike stance, in this childlike manner, trusting Him, following Him, loving Him as a child does, look at what you receive in verse 7. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Let your soul be at rest again, for the Lord has been good to me. God has been good to me. This is the idea also in Psalms 23 where it says, He leads me beside still waters and restores my soul. Those who are in Christ will have everything in their life restored. Listen, there's coming a day. You say, Caleb, you don't know. I've had so much taken from me. I'm telling you, just like Job, there will be a day for God's children when everything will be restored. Everything will be made right. Everything will be set perfectly right for those that are in Christ. I'm telling you this is because those that are in Christ will be restored. Those that are outside of Christ will not have restoration but destruction. I'm telling you, those who are in Christ will have everything restored to the way, the way it's supposed to be. Let's look at verse 8. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from stumbling. This is what God's done for us. Like, this is so amazing to see what God has done for us. This is what God has done on our behalf. So as I started this out this morning, a saving faith is one that rests completely in the person and the work of Christ alone. And you'll confess not only who Christ is as Savior and Lord and repent of your sins, but you're going to confess Him as good. He is a good Father that loves His children and takes care of His children as a good Father should. If you're here and you've never experienced that this morning, you said, I've never seen God as a Father this way. He is a God who loves His children. He's gracious to them. He's merciful to them. And like I said, that compassion for His children is inexhaustible. It just, he loves us with a complete love that is absolutely stunning. I uh, heard a song this week, and I, I want to read the lyrics to you because it was just a... 
I just I heard this song, and it's called Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus is, the, is, is it. And verse 1 says, The mystery of the cross I cannot comprehend. The agonies of Calvary. You, the perfect Holy One, crushed your Son who drank the bitter cup reserved for me. Your blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table, thank you, Jesus, thank you. That's, that's, that's theologically rich. Like the mysteries of the cross. I cannot even comprehend the mysteries of the cross. I can't even comprehend the agony of the cross. I cannot even comprehend the father literally crushing his son. And God the, God the son drinking that wrath in completely so that the father's wrath is completely satisfied. His blood washes away my sin. And every ounce of it, past, present, future, God's blood saves and reconciles and completely heals the redeemed. If you're redeemed, you've been completely healed by God's blood. Like, think about that. God's wrath on the day that Christ was on the cross... His wrath was absolutely and completely satisfied so that you that are in Christ will never experience His justice and His wrath, but you will only ever experience His grace and mercy. At one point, Romans chapter 5 says that you were an enemy of God. Pre-Christ, you were an enemy of God. Ephesians chapter 2 says that Even when you were dead in your trespasses, He made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with Him. And now you're seated with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So you've moved from a position of wrath and anger and an enemy of God. And you've moved into a position at the table of God, seated at the the seat that God is predetermined and set up for you put that before the foundation world and said listen I love you and I've got a seat for you you're ready I've got you a seat and so we've moved from being an enemy of God to having a seat at his table then verse 2 says by your perfect sacrifice I've been brought near your enemy you've made your friend Oh my goodness, this song is so rich. Pouring out the riches of your gracious grace, your glorious gracious grace, your mercy and your kindness know no end. That's, that, that should cause in us something that just ignites like a bonfire that, had, that has just been soaked in gasoline. To know that the God of the universe loves us in this capacity is absolutely stunning. And should cause in us the desire to want to worship Him all the more. 
Knowing God loves us like this shouldn't say, well, God loves me this much, I can go do whatever I want now. That should never be your stance. And if you're a true believer, that will never be your stance. Well, God will forgive me, I'm going to go out and live it up and do whatever I want. That will never be the stance of a genuine born-again believer. A genuine born-again believer will understand this, and because of that, they will say, God, I want to serve you, I want to worship you, and I want to follow you all the days of my life. God, thank you. Thank you for moving me from a position of an enemy to now being seated at your table and you're, you're blessing me and feeding me and I get to have dinner with the sovereign king of the universe. I'm now, I've moved from being an orphan to a king's kid. Woo! That should get us excited. Amen? Glory to God. That's how good this is in Psalms chapter 16. So a saving faith is a faith that sees God as good and loving and as a result of that, our heart pours out and we want to love him back. We want to love him back. Amen? How good is that? How good is that? You've been listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry of First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarvale, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas 67024. God bless you.